Zalmana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me. So to start out today's episode, I'd like to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the show notes for episode 72 was entered to win the beautiful black pearl laceweight yarn and complimentary patterns provided by designer Isolde Teague. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winner is Rebecca Dwyer, or Scruffian, on Ravelry. Congratulations, Rebecca. I know you are going to enjoy this prize. I will be in touch with Rebecca soon to get her shipping information and to get this prize mailed on out to her. But I also really wanted to let everyone know that I appreciate everyone who entered this giveaway. And I hope that you'll stay with me to the end of this episode because I'll be announcing a new drawing giveaway for you to enter. You never know, your name could be called next time. So since my last episode, I've been quite busy with my knitting. You may recall that last time I mentioned that I was working on my very first lace shawl design. Now, truthfully, when I recorded that episode, I was feeling quite happy and maybe even a little tiny bit smug. Everything was just working out so wonderfully and the design felt so promising. But by the time a few weeks had passed, things kind of took a disastrous turn. My beautiful shawl, my very first lace shawl pattern, was turning out to be a living, lacy nightmare on the needles. I remember the first time I realized that I had to rip back my work. No biggie, I thought. I was silly to think that I could knit and design this entire lace shawl without having to rip back. I knew it was to be expected. I thought to myself, I'm correcting the problem now, and the next time it'll work out perfectly, I'm sure. Yes, that is what I told myself, as I forced hundreds, or was it thousands, of lacy stitches off of my long circular needle, ripped back my work, and tediously threaded every little loop back onto it again. I hate ripping out my knitting, especially lace. But in the beginning, I was kind of on such a high with this project. I liked how it was turning out so much that the first ripping out session was surprisingly not as painful as it should have been. Plus, I naively really did think that it was going to be my first and last time I would have to do that with my project. Silly. Several repeats later, an unforeseen issue again arose with my pattern, and there was no way to fix it except for ripping out again. Okay, one more time, I told myself. Now, surely this next time, everything will be perfect, right? This thinking kind of helped console me as I again shoved millions of yarn overs and decreases off the needle and painstakingly threaded them back on again after ripping out, I don't know, 20 rows of lace. 
And I have to confess that this story gets more painful before it gets better. This was not the end of the sequence of unfortunate events. I was forced to rip out and re-knit extensive portions of this pattern. I don't know, at least five times. It's all kind of a blur. But I do remember the last time distinctly, because I think I almost cried. I remember that at this point, the portion of the shawl that had been ripped out and re-knit so many times was looking pretty ragged. The yarn in that area was frayed and fuzzy with overuse. I wondered how many lives it had remaining. How many more times could I rip it out before it would just disintegrate? After all, I was working with kind of a delicate yarn. Madeline Tosh Merino Light, which is a single-ply, soft, fingering-weight wool. Turns out, yarn like that doesn't really like to be ripped out and re-knit that much. I wondered, could it really hold up under much more of this nonsensical abuse? Perhaps I should have worked out this pattern in a sturdy Shetland wool or something. That probably would have been a better idea. Anyways, on that last go-around, I felt so defeated that I actually had to put the shawl away for a time. I couldn't even look at it. It was just becoming depressing. But the story doesn't end here. It does have a happier ending. Don't worry. After a severe pep talk with myself, I did get back to the shawl, and I did finally finish it. And it's beautiful. It's really, really pretty. But even though it's done, I still look at it and wonder if I can make some parts better. It's the curse of being a super perfectionist, I guess. Because I'm pretty sure that I never want to knit that shawl again. I think in the process of working at that pattern, I knit the equivalent of maybe like 20 shawls. You could say that I'm done. This project certainly was a beast, but I am glad that I challenged myself and that I stuck it out to the bitter end. I did post a sneak peek picture of the shawl on my blog, if you'd like to see it for yourself, and the pattern will be included in my next Botanical Knits book, so you can look for it there. Now, I don't want to just complain and complain and complain about designing the shawl, The positive side of me says that this project wasn't all bad. Ripping out that lace so many times did seriously teach me so much about lace work and how to read my knitting, because after all, I had to find my place after I ripped out so many rows. Yes, you may be thinking, why didn't you just put in lifelines, which is little strands of yarn running through the stitches in case you have to rip back, but nah. I didn't do that, so I literally had to find my place in the pattern again. Anyways, I know that all of that effort will do nothing but benefit me in my future design work. I also learned that ripping out my work makes me re-knit at double speed. I found myself knitting so fast, trying to catch up to where I was before. That way, I didn't feel so bad about having to backtrack. I learned to knit lace at lightning speed. It's kind of crazy. But that's all just the positive side of things, being all positive. The negative side of me says, 
I would be perfectly fine with never seeing a lace shawl again for the rest of my life. So in this episode, I have a wonderful little book to share with you entitled Topsy-Turvy Inside Out Knit Toys by Susan B. Anderson. I've been following Susan's adorable design work since her very first knitting book, Itty Bitty Hats, was published several years ago now. And if you've followed my blog for a time, you'll know that I've knit quite a few of Susan's patterns over the years. And I have even interviewed her on the podcast. Twice. You can check out episodes 26 and 51 if you'd like to learn more about Susan and her design work. Now, if you're not yet familiar with Susan B. Anderson, you should know that she's extremely well known for her designs for children, especially the whimsical toy patterns she produces. She's published several books now, but one of her past books that was especially near and dear to my heart was her Itty Bitty Toys book. As someone who loves knitting toys for my children, this book was just particularly special to me. I loved everything in it, but I remember being especially impressed with the section in the back, which featured reversible toys. I had never seen anything like it. I remember knitting my daughter a little egg from that book that turns inside out into a bluebird and thinking, how did Susan even think of this? It was crazy. And everyone that I showed that toy to was just amazed. It was a really, really awesome idea. So anyways, I was just really happy to receive a copy of this latest book by Susan because she has expounded upon this brilliant theme. This book only contains reversible toys. Adorable, sweet, knitted toys that change from one animal to the other or that follow a clever theme like a doghouse that turns inside out into a dog, for example, or my personal favorite, pigs in a blanket. Oh my goodness, I am not exaggerating in the slightest by telling you that the patterns in this book are all so cute. At some point in my life, I'd love to knit several for my own kids, but until I'm less busy with my own design work, I am hiding this book to avoid any distraction. Not to mention the fact that if my daughter sees this book, she is going to start pestering me right away, and I just may not hold up under the pressure. I think that any one of you that has children in your life is going to love this book, so I urge you to check it out for yourself next time you're at the library or the bookstore. But also, I just love this book so much that I'd like to give away a copy that's been provided to me by the publisher to one of you listening in this episode's drawing giveaway. So if you'd like to enter to win this charming book, please leave a comment on my blog at nevernotknitting.com under the show notes for episode 73. You will have until September 15th to enter to win. I know that whoever gets this book is going to adore it. It is truly clever and unique. So today I have another funny knitting story to share with you, this time contributed by Toddy Downs. Toddy Downs is a knitter and freelance writer and editor who lives in Washington. She recently had published her first novel, 
called Summer Melody and also has had award-winning articles and essays published in over 20 regional as well as national magazines, as well as all over the internet. I'm pleased to share with you her personal knitting story, the story of the telltale hat. Sometime last January, I received a package in the mail from a relative containing presents for myself and my kids. I opened my present and found an absolutely beautiful hand-knit hat. It was a fair isle beret, but the top panels were composed of six triangular panels so that the top seemed to stand up like a pyramid. The geometric design gave it a kind of Turkish look. In fact, the more I looked at the hat, the more familiar it seemed to me. This seemed like the type of hat I would have knit. Wait a minute. I had knit this hat. I had knit this hat more than ten years ago and given it to this relative. Yes, I had just been re-gifted a hat that I myself had knit. It was so long ago that I'd knit this hat that I'd forgotten all the details about it. But God bless Ravelry, it came to my rescue. I typed Turkish hat into the search bar and almost immediately found it. It's a cone hat by Anna Zilberg, cones number two to be exact. I'm fairly certain that I got the pattern out of a knitter's magazine issue, but that's long since gone. I remember it was knit in the round. The lower brim of the hat, the part that comes down over your forehead, was a combination of fire engine red and royal blue. The widest part of the hat was three pearled rows with the middle row alternating black and red. The top triangular panels had a tan base color with a contrasting design in the red and the blue. At the top was a very large bobble. It was fun to knit, I remember. A challenge, but not too intimidating. So how and why did I end up with this hat? Did my relative know she was regifting an item I'd made for her, or was it a blind regift where she thought I'd enjoy receiving a handmade item? It arrived at my house in absolutely pristine condition. Had she even tried it on, or simply assumed that she'd look like a pointy-headed circus clown in it? For the record, once you put the hat on, it does in fact conform to your head just like a beret. Maybe this hat had a connection to me. No matter who I might make it for, even if I put it in a pile of clothes to be donated to the Salvation Army, it would always find its way back to me. I would give it away, then inexplicably find it in a pile of laundry. Or it would be a white elephant gift item from a neighbor who'd found it as she was browsing bins of donated clothes. With apologies to Edgar Allan Poe, it would truly be the telltale hat. More to the point. How did I feel about receiving this re-gift? I suppose I should have been offended, but really mostly I thought it was funny. I used to knit gifts for people all the time. Hats and mittens mostly, since they were the quickest projects, but also the occasional scarf. I used to knit baby items for friends and family too, although I have to admit it did annoy me when I would put a lot of time into knitting something for a baby and it would never get worn. And that sadly has happened. 
So I'm a little bit pickier these days about whom I will knit a gift for. You know, I'm always so honored to receive a handmade gift from anybody, be it the print of a still life with orange that I received from my nephew, homemade brittle from a colleague, or a hand-knit scarf that a friend made and sent to me after my beloved cat died. I've generally assumed that others feel the same way about getting hand-knitted at gifts from me, but in truth, with the exception of other knitters, most of my family and friends would probably prefer a Target gift card. My relative has gone her separate way, a casualty of divorce, so the story behind my regift must always remain a mystery. Like the proverbial chicken come home to roost, or more sinisterly, Poe's telltale heart, my Anna Zilberg hat is back to stay. Thank you again, Toddy, for sharing your story. If you listening have a knitting-related experience you would like to share on the podcast sometime, I invite you to please get in touch with me. Please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to hear your story. Remember, it's these awesome stories that keeps this podcast really fun. I appreciate each and every one that has contributed. And I know that you listening probably have a story in the back of your mind that's really great. So just contact me. We'd all love to hear it, I'm sure. Also, if you liked Toddy's story as much as I did and would like to learn more about her, please visit her blog at toddydownswrites.com. I'll be providing a link to it in this episode's show notes. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And as I've mentioned before, if you want to get in contact, you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Also, before I close today's podcast, I wanted to tell you that I am getting ready for my East Coast book tour, and I am really excited. This is going to be a little tour for my last book I published, Botanical Knits. I'm going to be teaching sweater finishing workshop, and I'm going to be doing book signings. It's going to be really fun, and I really look forward to meeting some of you listening. So please visit my blog for further information of where I'll be and when. I have the schedule posted up for you, and if you live in the area, I really look forward to seeing you soon. So everyone, that is it for episode 73. Thank you again for joining me today, and I hope that you'll join me again at the end of September for a new episode. No doubt I'll have quite a few of Knitterly Adventures to share with you from my trip to the East Coast. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just 
doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry, no pants, no shirts, no underwear, but they have closets full of sweaters, and more socks than they could ever wear. There's yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. Even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Call 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.